Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland, across the globe. You're listening to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the People's Podcast. Here to rock the podcast world. Good evening and welcome to the Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed podcast show. Uh, thank you for listening. We have, unfortunately, we've got Hugh, he's, uh, well, down and stuck in his wife. He can't get past the door with his balding chain, it's stuck in his ankle. So, uh, Hugh, welcome to your own show on the phone again. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's good to speak to you all. And that, and uh, uh, good to uh, see how, how our listeners are improving and, are, and they're happy to listen to us every week, which is great. Yeah, it's always good. We've got, so, how, obviously, you can't, you've obviously, you're, you've got the balling chain on your ankle again. Or is it one of those kind of prisoner tags that when you only go so far, your wife knows where you are? <laughs> I need to put a big sign on the door saying don't come in podcasting podcasting live or, as it beep as it starts restricting the blood flow of your ankle uh, through your body if you can't go too far and say I know your husband get back here so so uh, well, anyway we have our uh, our, little, have our guest from last week has returned a bit short notice uh, can I I said, if you want to come, you're welcome to uh, be part of the show again. And we've got Richard Lucas again, so welcome, Richard. Well, thanks very much. Good to be back. I enjoyed it last week. Yeah, we wish we could have gone on actually longer with what we were ah. talking about. So it was, uh, it was good. So we're back again. So we've got the so it's so, so the Hattrick and Ramsey and Lucas show. Um, that's what it is. So it's all good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's all good. It's a Monday. It's Monday. Monday I would fun. never put your name to anything Fraser suggests. You know, it was yeah, like, probably a good thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Probably a good thing. Probably yeah. a good thing. That's the first word, word of advice, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. It's always good. We've got one viewer or listener or whoever listening to the, the thing. It's always a good thing. But never mind. There we are. Might get some more. Maybe listen to our ramblings. It's all good. But anyway, uh, let's uh, really get cracking on with the um, obviously the unfortunate news of the last week. I mean, London has just simply not caught a break over the last four months. From uh, it's been just absolutely crazy. Um, you've obviously had the Westminster Bridge attack, you've had um, Manchester, you've had London Bridge, you've had the Grenfell Tower fire, and you've obviously just had this morning's attack with a guy driving over some Muslims in a van and were t- attacking them. Uh, so it's really just the new... Plus, on the other side, the politics is on its head. Uh, Theresa May just doesn't know whether she's coming or going. Uh, DUP talks are not finalised. And we've also just started Brexit talks, which is a good one positive thing if you're because you're a Brexiteer, it's great. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. <laughs> so on, on on the plus side, uh, it's good. At least we've actually finally started the ball rolling. But uh, yeah, we're going to have a good balance show tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, and we've got <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's uh, all happening really. So the first thing we're going to talk about is obviously the Grenfell fire. Uh, let's discuss that. Obviously, another tragedy. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of the media have been covering up a lot of stuff and maybe not quite a, really giving the true facts of the actual deaths that could have actually happened. We're looking at it, and as to what the fire brigade said, the simple fact is, if you do find anybody alive, the majority they're not no the majority of people will be a, a very lucky, but the fact is that the majority will be dead uh, uh, on a, if they're when they're searching the. Uh, the block for evidence, etc. So, what's your thoughts, Richard, on the whole system? Obviously, the majority, the big question, the fact is the cladding, and there was, there was also in the front page of the evening news in Edinburgh that the, the a lot of building high rise buildings in Edinburgh do not have sprinkler systems. So, what's your general thoughts of what's going on in the whole London scenario with the, the Green Greenfield Tower thing? Yeah, it was very interesting. Obviously, a horrific thing to happen. I mean, unimaginable terror and loss for people are really appalling. Uh, in the first few hours, there really seemed, you see the reports, you'd think it was a spirit of the blitz, everyone pulling together, uh, very positive, admirable. But it didn't take long before I was hearing people saying things and seeing things happening. We were thinking, there's something not quite right here. Things are going off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we had people, people sort of storming the council building now, who, who, yeah. who, know, who knows what I would do in the same situation, under the same pressure, um, with the emotions running so high? Who knows? But still, I think it needs to be said that that's, that's not on. That's not yeah, the way yeah. you respond to that sort of incident. Then there's someone else being beaten up. Then all the blaming starts. 
uh, before you know it's a really, really vicious, uh, aggressive, yeah. unjustified blaming, or mainly the Conservatives, basically, without a, mm. a shred of evidence that there was any genuine uh, responsibility there. And then the people mm. who've been involved mm. in it, they're, they're sort of demanding justice. Now, I can mm. see that, I don't think anyone begrudges the government spending money on helping people and rehousing them and providing what they need, but this sort of aggressive demand mm. for justice it's something that in the sort of modern culture that a lot of people think that's the normal way to respond to things. It's, yeah. it's, it's the, 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 the sort of cultural Marxist view. You're going to divide the world into oppressors and the oppressed. This is their right. Uh, Here's a new oppressed group that needs to fight for their rights and fight for justice. And uh, I think it's uh, a really unhelpfully divisive way of looking at it. It's, it's not that, that they're facing any enemy. It's not that anybody wants to do anything other than help. I, don't think, yeah. I think a lot of it was, there was the event being hijacked by other political campaigners coming in. Uh, it, it, it just, you, you look at it and well, it's think, definitely, there's, yeah. there's an unhealthy side of society, if that's what comes It's gone out. very but, political. From uh -huh. the, as soon as we knew that it was mainly refugees and, and folk from different communities who were, who were kind of living there, mm -hmm. and different faith groups and things, you kind of knew it was going to be taken as a real kind of push for it. Yeah. And we know that Corbyn started to say that they should just um, take over empty flats in Kensington yeah. um, so they can put them there. I mean, and, and the same with McDonald, you know, they're all trying to charge everybody up to try oh. and have a day of rampage, which they're going to do on Wednesday um, because they want to bring down the government. So it's very quickly become a hard left kind of momentum style um, way of saying, you know, we have to, yeah. of trying to cause as much trouble as possible. Yeah. And as you say, there was a, a, a former councillor, but he was there, I think he was just a businessman who worked for the council with, his, with, with somebody else, and they were beaten up because they were threatened, first of all, yeah. uh, because they had put their face against the wrong name, and they were quite badly beaten. And yeah. they, as far as we know, nobody's been arrested for that. And as you say, they stormed the Kensington Town Hall and were demanding all sorts. And they were kind of saying that these people need to be put up in the best hotels and the best things. I mean, they're in housing accommodation because they can't afford anything else. Uh -huh. You know, or that's where they are. It might be in asylum seekers and different things. But this idea that we should be putting them up in the Dorchester is kind of crazy. You know, I mean, you just wonder, you know, why on earth? You know, it's real trying to make political capital yeah. out but, of the situation. Yeah. But the BBC was straight away affirming this, you know, that this issue is about poverty and wealth, that that was yeah. their news reporting. Uh, I just uh, don't see it that way at all. I mean, no, if you no. look at Monte Carlo, some of the richest people in the world, they choose to live in, in tower blocks. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, they're just adopting no. the political agenda. And you can see that the media tells the story that becomes the yeah. story that they report. And they're kind of spreading... I mean, on the other side, there's people politicising it too. People say it's because yeah. they... There was environmental reasons that they were putting this cladding on yeah. insulation. Well, I mean, I'd be surprised uh, if there's really much substance for that. People saying, you know, massive immigration is the reason why we need to keep such um, high-density housing in operation. If yeah. the population of London wasn't growing so much, you wouldn't need it. Uh, again, uh, that's very possibly true, but it's not, yeah. it's not a relevant time uh, to be mm. bringing that up. I mean, it's, it's an accident. I mean, it may be that everyone yeah. was following the appropriate guidelines, but this is what happens with uh, these things, is, is you realise that the guidelines are inadequate. You realise that there's some terrible danger. So they get updated to make sure that sort of thing never happens again. And I'm sure that yes. will happen. And, and that's the way things things progress. But they, um, it's interesting as well. There was the Daily Mirror had its front page um, on the, the, the day after. Now is the time for anger. Whereas when you yeah. have terrorists deliberately killing and maiming people, the message yeah. is always, yeah. we, we mustn't be angry. Whereas yeah, something that's yeah. ultimately an accident, where there's been no deliberate malice from anyone, we're supposed to mm. be furious about it. And that's just all going yeah. wrong. It's backwards. It's backwards. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly have a hold on, on the way people, they want, how they want you to think and how they want you to respond. It's the same with the whole thing with the Joe Cox incident, isn't it? And now they're having the big weekend celebration of uh -huh. a year since Joe Cox died and bringing people together and all this kind of stuff. And But it's very political mm -hmm. in the way that, you know, the kind of things that, they, that she supposedly standed and stood for. And they had her husband on Radio 5 today, and he was saying all sorts of things, about, especially after this attack in London with the, the white chap, the white van man, uh -huh. ru running over the Muslims uh, when they were coming out of the mosque. 
I mean, as, as much as a terrible tragedy and a, and a terrible thing to have done, um, they're using this to blame people like Tommy Robinson and all these others who simply have pointed out issues that have been going on. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a massive supporter of him, but I've listened to quite a few podcasts with him um, with, and James Dellingpole. And actually, there's, there's, a very, there's a real honesty about him. And many of his best friends are Muslims. So it's not as if he... You know, they, they, the, Joe Co- well, the, the, the Brendan Cox would make, have you think that he hates Muslims and this is all about people who hate other folk. Um, uh-huh. But it's not about that. This has been, yes, it's been motivated um, by the things that have been going on, and that that's wrong. But actually, I think we actually do get on with other religious groups quite well. The problem is, is a certain certain groups are not particularly willing to integrate, uh, and this is what's happening. The J.K. Rowling's tweet I saw was the most outrageous, saying, um, "Yeah, we need to investigate how this man was. Uh, no, we need to know how this man was radicalized." Here's the answer: uh, picture of Nigel yeah. Farage. Now, if she yeah, really thinks yeah. that, if she really thinks that, then Nigel Farage should be in prison. Because that's what we do uh, to um, in Muslims who are radicalizing, who are preaching violence and terrorism. They're imprisoned, yeah. they're kicked out of the country, uh, or whatever. They're certainly not allowed to speak. So if she really yeah. means that, she should be uh, following that up, saying Nigel Farage should be in prison. And, uh, uh, and saying ridiculous, out-of-proportion things like that, it generates in people... They become so cocksure of their own superiority that they really do yeah. think that people who think differently should be in prison, that they shouldn't be yeah. allowed to speak. It's just stoking that up. Do you think? That, um, do you think with the the whole this morning's uh, attack on the guy? Do you think the maybe he was just thinking right? Nobody, nothing's really being done. They're kind of being a bit too sort of. Uh, so sort of, uh, I shouldn't say sensitive towards Muslims because and not being. In case we get. Accused of being xenophobia, etc., and uh, are they just trying? To, this guy just had enough and said, "Right, stuff it. <coughs> I'm just gonna be, take a truck, take a, a van, and just go for it." You know, do you think that he just had enough because he, uh, nothing was being done, or being too sensitive towards them? I think people's people are going to become more and more bound up by the issue. The more yes. ter- the more terrorist attacks by Muslims there are in Britain and around the world, the more frustrated people will become. The more people perceive that Muslims are getting a, getting preferential treatment, then it is going to build up yeah. resentment. And in that situation, uh, if you put that on the sort of macro scale, you're going to get some people uh, who are a bit unhinged and unstable or whatever, uh, and they're going uh, to push over the edge. And that's, that's the sort of thing that's going to happen. I mean, the, the sad fact is that when you've got separate groups in a society, if they're... As long, if one group's absolutely tiny, it's not so bad. If one group gets to be a more more substantial percentage, then the sad fact yeah. is, is that tends to lead to tension, a lack of trust, and a bit of hostility between the groups. You can say that that's a, one of the worst aspects of human nature, and it's very noble to overcome it. But the uh, fact, the fact uh, is that that does tend to happen. So countries that, that have got that situation, where they've got two substantial, or more than two substantial groups within the population... Those countries mm. often have quite severe problems to deal with compared yeah, to countries yeah. that, are, that are more uniform. Go no. back, go back to the, the obviously the Grenfell Tower thing. So obviously, there's a, you think, I mean, is it really the Tories are to blame, or is it more because of when it, it should have been way back, the safety was constantly checked for these blocks of flats to make sure they were. Mm. Uh, well, when it, shape, it was the socialists. It, it was the socialists that always said, you know, that believed in the tower blocks. And, you know, wanted all these things to take place. And seemingly, um, Corbyn voted against putting sprinklers in these buildings about mm-hmm. 10 years ago. There was a vote, I think, in 2005, and he voted against that. Um, I also think as well that there may well be environmental reasons in terms of, you know, these are all supposed to try and, you know, they always sell it, or oh, it's going to be better insulation and all this kind of stuff. And they've clearly cut corners. Um, and, uh, you know, this stuff is as flammable as everything, you know, as, as, as you know, not, not obviously an unsuitable material, because similarly it's been banned in Germany and the US. Mm-hmm. So they have to, you know, take some responsibility, I think, there that, you know, there's a huge push to get everything environmentally friendly. Um, and they've obviously just cut corners, done some dodgy deals, and potentially this is what's been the outcome. Yeah, that's a but, crucial uh, fact. But, I think it's a crucial fact whether or not this sort of cladding is, yeah. is allowed in Britain. And if it is, it seems like that's a mistake. It seems like we've missed a yeah. trick and that, that should have been banned. Yeah. But, but the yeah. only people who complain about that would be the party that had it in their manifesto and had been campaigning on this issue for the last five years, saying this is really dangerous, it's a death trap. We need to get this sorted yeah. out. Now, if you're that party, 
then fair enough, you can make political capital out of it. But that party mm. doesn't exist. You know, no, yeah, no one's yeah. been touching this issue. I know, that's true. Um, yeah. so, so no one's got I, a leg to stand on. Uh, yeah, and I think they said also there were 40 fire alarms and people being told to stay in the building, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's um, you know, it was obviously going up at a huge rate. But I have to say I'm suspect about how it started because when they said it was a, you know, a fridge fire, I mean, you know, I've got a Beko fridge and, you know, uh, it, I mean, you'd about it, you know, you never think it would just explode and take a whole chunk out of the building and then in turn, you know, the whole place goes up. Because, I mean, it's on the outer wall yeah. where the cladding is. I mean, I, I think, you know, because they don't know really who was in there and I think the real story, maybe it's, I don't think, I'm, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, but, I mean, I'd heard that rumours, potential from some, I don't know what newspaper it was, um, but some people were saying that this, that potentially one of the people in the, in the tower block um, who had this fridge fire or whatever um, may have been also um, housing dangerous chemicals. And if you look at it that way, then maybe it could have been someone trying to make a bomb and the thing went off when he was trying to make it. You just never know. Um, and because it's, I mean, it's have such an effect. I mean, it was like 9-11. It was like watching the Twin Towers go up, mm-hmm. the way this thing was, was burning up. Yeah, and it just seems like more than a fridge fire could surely cause that. I think, you know, it's, I mean, if you think about it, the cladding was obviously to the cause because of the, you saw the picture of the block of flats before the cladding was up. Yeah, it did go up after uh, it, but you kind of think to, to get such a heat, I know, you know but, to uh, get said it first. But before the cl- before the cladding was, you saw the block of flats before the cladding was before it was fitted before before they actually did the renovations to the proper the, the block of uh, flats. And it was if the the um, fire had started, it would have been contained within that floor because you're not really going to. It's nothing when it, if it, even if it went out the windows, it's not going to burn the concrete solid or uh, concrete. Yeah. So it's not going to spread. It'd be contained and it'd be an easier managing. We don't uh, have this scenario. There's obviously something within the cladding, and it's created a funnel in some way or form in the wind, and it's just gone up very quickly. So there's something obviously the cladding is definitely to blame by looking at the building, because everything's just yeah. melted. So there's obviously something. Yeah. There's going to be, there must be criminal. Uh, there's going to, have to be criminal prosecution. prosecution. I can my teeth in the night today. Criminal prosecution uh, brought on a. The people who, obviously, the company who put the cladding up, and if it's been banned, something I mean, yeah. this, is, this is going to be something quietly. Obviously, eventually, yeah. the block of flats yeah. will be demolished. But is it time that they, from when, even though we did have high rises when they were built for a reason, but it's the time to sort of just knock them down, build new, build normal general houses instead of high rises to make it safer? And, and it's very desirable for lots of reasons. And they're quite sort of inhuman places to live. Uh, I think there's, there's not really many people here supporting them, but just the, the pressure on housing is such that they're still in service uh, uh, in a lot of places. And, uh, and it's all because many of them are all council built. It's mm. all like in New York where it's all privately built mm-hmm. and you've got but these lovely apartment blocks. Yeah. But you'd think when if they're refurbishing these, where the, where the access to the stairs are, they would have something. Mm. Maybe they, they thought they should have thought of building an, an ex, external emergency stair outside the building. Yeah, so that would have that made would sense. Be more, yeah. It's made sense. At least there was somewhere for them to escape. Uh, but I mean, having only really two, a, a, a stair in, a stair out, is not really uh, fantastically safe. If you know if somebody something happens and you've only got well, you're not really. There's <laughs> <laughs> it's not much. You've got much hope to get out. No. So uh, uh, just on another line on this, I find it okay. quite interesting. Has seen the, the sort of media policing of the politicians, and uh, and the uh, Queen as well, and their response. So yeah. so Theresa May would go, and then the the media will judge whether she's been upset enough. And then when that, yeah, so I was really yeah. annoyed. The BBC website, the Queen went and gave a speech, and the BBC reporter deigned to to give it as a seal of approval and say the Queen had given a good speech. Sometimes she didn't quite get it right, but she got it right. Yeah. But that 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 really uh, annoys me. I think. The idea of the royal family is they provide a focal point for national life and they, they, can, they can represent the nation in, in a crisis. I can go and speak yeah. on behalf of the nation. I think that's completely mm. undermined when you've got someone from the BBC saying, oh, in six out of ten, yes, yeah, quite, quite good this time. Could have done with a bit more mention. I think that, that, that's not uh, his place to do that. It's their place yeah, to, 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 to report, yeah. to film it, mm. to report what the Queen says, and that's a message to the nation that unites the nation. It's not then the BBC's yeah. job to put them on a higher plane 
so that they get uh, to have the final say on that. Yeah. And poor old Theresa May, I mean, they say, you know, she wasn't upset enough. So she's then having to, to do other things and to give messages that are basically just yeah. trying to appease the media by, yeah. by being more, more upset. That's, um, I don't she know, should do a Trump. It's, it's the media yeah. making the story. They're making the news. Yeah. She should do a Trump move and just start calling them all fake news <laughs> at a press conference and just chucking them out <laughs> yeah. and just saying, we're not going to listen to you anymore. That'd be quite good if you said, we're not going to listen to the BBC anymore. We're not going to take questions from but, them. That's just like we were talking about last week, isn't it? The fact that the Conservatives yeah. don't want to take the fight to anyone. They want yeah, to smooth yeah. things over, be uncontroversial, middle of the road. They don't want to, uh, to fight their corner. But do you think, uh, yeah. I mean, do you think Theresa May could have acted a lot better? I mean, you think about it, if you put it on one hand, you've got the Queen, who's 91, who spent about two or three hours going to visit but, Prince William. Uh, do you think she could have done a bit more better in what she's done, or she, was it? Being, I don't know. I think, I think she was genuinely moved, and I mean, she was heckled, because I mean, all these kind of hard left lot are, are everywhere looking for any opportunity to do it, and they heckled the Prime Minister as well, um, but they heckled um, uh, the Queen. The only person they didn't heckle was uh, Jeremy Corbyn. And uh, Cor so Cor it's. Um, Corbyn's like a rock star at the moment. So he kind of goes to concerts and gigs mm -hmm. and gets the. Everyone bows to him. So because he offers everything for free. Yeah. He offers everything for free. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's Marxism. <laughs> they're, all, they're all kind of pushing. But, um, but no, but the, the, one of the things I also thought was thoroughly distasteful was just, you know, when the, when the building was still on fire and the next night they were. They, the BBC had was doing a live show. And in the background, all you saw was this burning building. And you kind of think, you know, there are obviously remains of, of people in there and it's still burning. Mm -hmm. And you think, you know, is it? I think it was actually that was quite shameful that they showed that. I think they should have, yes, they show it in a report, but they shouldn't have it continuously in the background because they're not really doing it for remembrance. They're just no, doing it uh -huh. to try to shock you and for the to, you know, to sensationalise it. And I thought it was really one of the most distasteful things I've ever seen the BBC do. Mm -hmm. I was quite surprised by it. Mm -hmm. That because um, it's, I mean, it's obviously a shocking tragedy, and it just shows you as well. We, got, I mean, we don't even know how many folk were in there. This is the thing: people visiting, mm -hmm. um, other folk who maybe shouldn't have been there. We just don't know. And it, and you know, and it's been a, a tragic loss of life. And you know, as you see, the 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 body count is going up. Um, and yet, I don't think we'll really find out properly as to what why why it happened. I would be confident though that the people who've been made homeless, bereaved, etc. I think they'll they will receive good support, they'll be rehoused and oh, yeah, I'm sure definitely. whatever lessons there are to be learned will be learned Aye. extremely thoroughly and there'll be legislation in place to ensure something like this never happens again. But that's the sort of country we are. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not some yeah, sort of third yeah. world country where this sort of thing yeah. happens and no one can quite get their act together to stop it happening again and it's quite routine uh, and people who just mm -hmm. left their own devices. That's not what it's like. But, but listening to some yeah. people, you, you'd think it was. The, the yeah, response yeah, though yeah. that that's what hap what's happening, but it's not going to be like that at all. Uh, I think it's it's a measure of 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 how positive our our country is. That I'm so confident about. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, cool. It'll be very interesting to see what happens on Wednesday when they have this big rally in Westminster because I reckon uh -huh. thousands of them are going to turn up. All these kind of um, also, and uh, do they call them the anti-fascists as well? Mm. They're all going to turn up, and uh, and we'll see what's left of Westminster by the time they leave. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing because hardly any of them will get arrested. Um, even and no doubt they'll do quite a bit of damage, but they'll just have to see what they can do to try and stop them. Because I think that some of these guys need a real need a lean to learn a lesson um, that they can't even behave like this, you know, because mm. they've got they've gotten away with beating up people already, and no one's been charged. So they they need they need to sort them out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Wednesday, certainly. Mm -hmm. It's all, all go. But we're going to move on from that topic. It's a bit, a bit more cheerier stuff. We're going to play a little bit of music. We're going to play and uh, have a wee breather to take some water because it's, it's, uh, the studio is extremely warm. It's warm outside. So it's going <laughs> to kind of fry. And, it's going to be like a spa day for you. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> I feel like, like a chicken in the oven. <laughs> I want a, a couple of shout-outs, actually. I've actually got some. I'm going to a couple of shout-outs to some people because, uh, before we play some music because... I recently, for those who may know, I know about the project of being awake after Scotland. I've added a couple of team members, so I've got Dr. Tammy Francis Donaldson, who's our uh, going to be our, um, our exit, one of our exit strategists to help talk, do talk, uh, live stream talks on helping women get out of domestic violence. 
Also, we've got our new um, director for merchandise, uh, Shannon Griffin, who is who is a well recent survivor of cancer. She's obviously had her last chemo a while ago, but she is a she's got a t-shirt brand and does uh, creates I create stuff. And I give a shout out to her because she's got these fantastic she's got fantastic taglines for her business, obviously for tees and tanks, t-shirts and tank tops, and uh, she sings it when she's doing live, and she also does. Uh, fix your face, which is not not just not not impersonal. It's to say a way of fixing your face to go forward and be positive in what you do. So it's uh, great when you watch her. Really encouraging. So a shout out to my uh, my, my <laughs> one of my team members. Uh, so Shannon Griffin, teas and tanks, and fix your face. But anyway, that's uh, so that's uh, a couple of shout outs there. Also, a couple of podcasts we do recommend. I've not listened to them for a while, but it's because we've been busy. Is the guy our cook report? You can listen to him if you go to the guy our cook report. He's got a lot of uh, ten-minute shows um, on BTB and SEO, etc. Also, there's EileenSmith.com. You can go to her website and get a lot of interesting YouTube videos and how to do things regarding Twitter and blah blah blah. And Pam Gomez, if you like unnatural aromatherapy, if you like that kind of thing, you can uh, go to her. Oh, it's O as an O H naturalaromatherapy.com, I think it is, and you can uh, go just Google that and you will find her. And uh, you can look at her website and if you like these kind of things. But as we quick couple of shout outs, so we're gonna play a song which is Bon Jovi Dry County and take a wee brief break while you listen to some music. So we'll be back in a second. Squeezing from the vine Some say it's a savior In these hard and desperate times You see it helps me to forget That we're just born To Some time I may 
welcome back after that lovely bit of song from Bon Jovi, uh, Dry County. It's from the Keep the Faith album. Yeah, if you like a bit of Bon Jovi, or trustiness. We do have some Facebook Live peeps and I'm broadcasting Facebook Live. Uh, we've got some interesting comments coming through the, the feed. Um, we have had, we've got Ryan, shout out to Ryan Miller. Uh, he's from the Parent Dome. He's a great guy. He, uh, he, keep, he does a lot of broadcasts via Periscope. Uh, helping keep children safe on the internet. So if you search Parent Dome, you can uh, see his broadcast and search Ryan Miller. We have also interviewed him on the podcast uh, about a year ago, over a year ago now, actually a while ago. So, but shout out to Ryan Miller. Our other broadcast partner, John Sutherland, who's uh, on the sidelines, he's actually hiding. Um, so he's. Been, <laughs> oh, I've just had. I've just been, Richard just sneezed and took out, <laughs> took out the window in the studio. Uh, oops. Uh, I think you can wipe that off. You can, you can, he's there laughing. You can wipe that off later. It's <laughs> yeah. like something you'd expect, obviously, Eddie and Richie to turn up now. Rick Mail and Eddie, Eddie Emerson. You can't really make that one up. Yes, okay. If they were doing a radio show, it might not be much different than what we were doing. <laughs> I, I don't envy the person using that microphone next. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got a uh, shout out to Patricia A. Murray who's on the Facebook Live we've got Ryan Miller uh, obviously trying to read yeah we've got and John Sutherland as well so anyway I'm just uh, going to get back into the show because time is sticking on um, so we're going to we're going to talk about Richard's going to talk about that he where it used to be a sort of a part of the UKIP scenario when UKIP were kicking around for those who love and hate UKIP like Marmite um, uh, Rich has, has a story that he's going to tell regarding his sort of fallout with what happens in the sort of the Edinburgh area or kind of the Scottish UKIP sort of whatever happened I go for it fire away <laughs> uh, yeah it's quite a long story if you have tell me when you've had enough I've got see what we can do in five ten minutes five or ten huge, minutes right okay, you've got a huge car talk I'll, I'll cut you off anyway so uh-huh. just carry on and give us your give us your insight to what happened so it was a few years ago I decided I wanted to go into to politics um, so it was about, my views I'm generally sort of more right-wing than left-wing, very definitely. But the views that are most important to me are the things the other parties generally are not that interested in. They're the sort of socially conservative uh, issues. So if you want to influence politics in that sort of direction, you basically have to join a party um, that's focusing on other things and then exert influence within that party. So I had to choose a party to join. So being someone sort of on the right, it was going to have to be conservative or UKIP. That was going to join. I looked at the, the Conservatives. During the 2010 election campaign, they had a candidate, I think his name was Philip Lardner, over in Arran. And it, it came to light that he'd made some comment on Facebook uh, about homosexuality. And what he said, I he didn't quite say it the way I might have said it, but what he said was, was basically what I believe as a Christian who believes the orthodox teachings of the, of the church. And that happened, that came to light during the election campaign. And David Cameron just chopped him immediately. He was um, sort of stood down as a candidate. No ifs and buts, he was just chopped. And I thought, if I join the Conservatives, that's what I'm heading towards. So I'll join them. I'll spend years getting to know people, networking, delivering leaflets, doing all the things you do to get involved in a political party. But I know, really, I'm charging head, head first into a brick wall because that's what's going to happen when it comes to the time to be a candidate. Mm. Either they'll look at things I've said in the past and say they wouldn't let me be a candidate, or if I did manage to slip through the net, there'd be some controversy and I'd just be chopped. So I thought there's no point investing my time in a party that's so hostile to, to, to Orthodox Christian views and generally to social conservatism. So I thought UKIP, UKIP is the last bastion of freedom of speech. They brand themselves as the anti-political correct party, you know, the antidote to political correctness. I thought that's, that's going to be the only party that would, uh, basically, that would have me, that would I be able to pursue any sort of political ambition. I didn't want to leave the EU. It wasn't at the top of my list of priorities, but I, I certainly was in favour of, of Brexit. So I thought I'd get involved with UKIP. So I uh, started going along to the Edinburgh branch, got to know a few people. Uh, it was all fine and good. And then they asked me to do a, a, a talk at one of the meetings at the Edinburgh branch. And I decided... I remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I decided to do a talk on freedom of speech which was something that UKIP had made an explicit policy. So through this talk, I talked about various people who got in trouble on freedom of speech issues on a whole range of topics. And I set up lots of points through the talk. I said, it doesn't matter which side of this 
this um, this issue you're on. It doesn't matter whether your opinion is one way or the other. The issue here is freedom of speech. People should be free to air their opinions and have open discussion about them. They shouldn't be being threatened and losing their jobs and being sued and, and, and suppressed in various ways. So I finished this this speech on uh, David Coburn, the UKIP, leader of UKIP in Scotland, the MEP, uh, who, who's gay. His partner was there. And he stood up at the end of my, my talk and his partner sort of went hysterical, I would say, launched into this sort of rant, objecting to what I'd said, which is completely unjustified because I actually hadn't stated any opinion about anything. Mm -hmm. the, issue, the, the topic was clearly freedom of speech. Um, but he was very upset and off he went. Uh, and from that day mm -hmm. on, uh, David Coburn and his cronies were sort of dead set against me. So basically what happened in UKIP was exactly what I feared would happen in the Conservatives. So I thought, yeah, there really, there really is nowhere to, to go. So, uh, oh. and David Coburn and his and his cronies were quite unsavoury people in lots of ways. Yeah. The conversation could be quite vulgar, and uh, just just in the gutter. And you know their their mm. ethics were quite dubious. I mean, there was the thing about David Coburn deliberately mispronouncing Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh's name in the hustings. I mean, they, they told me about it. They, they bragged about it. And then it came out in mm -hmm. the media, and they were in the, in the media denying it, saying it never happened. So you know, no integrity, incompetence as well, disreputable. So really mm -hmm. less than admirable uh, characters. But they were, they were dead against me. When it came to standing in the election in 2015, um, I applied to be a candidate, did the assessment, that was all fine. Um, but then David Coburn and his cronies tried to block me by saying that I was homophobic and, and this, that, and the other. And I fought and fought and fought it, just out of sort of stubbornness, really. Uh, then eventually got vindicated by the, the higher echelons in, in UKIP, and they said I could stand as a candidate. The very day that mm. happens, David Coburn and his crew tried to, uh, to parachute Hugh in, actually. Hugh, who's, who's here? Hugh, uh, Hugh Hattrick? Yeah, yeah. Um, into, uh -huh. the, into the constituency where I was going to stand, just as a last-ditch effort to block me. So we let Hugh know what was going on and Hugh very, Hugh very kindly stood aside. So I had to fight and fight and fight to win the honour of spending about £1,200 of my own money to stand as a UKIP candidate with no hope of success uh, at all. Uh, but they seemed to think this was some sort of great honour for me to have to, to fight for. So I stood in the election. Part of the reason I wanted to do it was to gain experience. It was something I wanted to do. I wanted to see how it worked. Uh, and I did that. Uh, then within UKIP, I mean, it just got worse and worse. Um, uh, Misty oh. Thackeray, David Coburn's right-hand man, um, he was in mm -hmm. a meeting, he, he said he'd known Nick Griffin for 30 years, the leader of the BNP, all sorts of unsavoury stories coming through about Misty mm -hmm. and his links to the far right, the EDL, uh, David Coburn's mm -hmm. behaviour is still uh, atrocious, and, and still I was the public enemy number one within UKIP, uh, with David yeah. Coburn and Misty, and Misty subsequently, subsequently being convicted of making of sexual phone calls to, to people he didn't know, etc. Uh, when it came to the 2016 yeah. Holyrood elections, we thought there was a hope that maybe the party higher up would intervene and sort of mm. overrule David Coburn a little bit on it. So we, yeah. myself and others, we applied on that basis, but it turned out that wasn't the case. And uh, uh, people like me and other people who'd objected to David Coburn were, weren't really given a fair crack of the whip. I mean, before then, a group of us wrote to the to Nigel Farage, the people at the top of the party, about David Coburn, and there was a catalogue of disreputable behaviour, incompetence, whatever, but they just weren't interested at all. Not a glimmer of response uh, to any of it. So after all that, I just decided, obviously, that's, that's the end of the road uh, with UKIP. Now, a part of me used to think, well, that's, that's UKIP in Scotland, obviously appalling, but maybe the, the wider party maybe got a bit more going for it. It's what I've seen subsequently, where you saw the, the, the people having a punch-up. And again, in, in UKIP in Scotland, you hear people talking about having a punch-up and I'm, I'm going to punch you on or whatever. I don't hear that sort of talk anywhere else. Apart yeah, from yeah. in UKIP. And it seems like it's not mm. just in Scotland. It's through, the, it's through the whole party. If you look at the way things run, it's just on loyalty. There's no integrity, no honour, and no sort of morals in it. It's just if you're loyal to someone, then they'll back you to the hilt. And it seems that yeah. that's the ethos through the whole of the party. So, so with UKIP, I think reading their manifesto, I would tend to agree with pretty well everything in their manifesto. But it's the people mm -hmm. involved. 
uh, could be quite yeah. unsavory uh, and difficult. And from yeah. my, my point of view as a, as a Christian with Orthodox beliefs, I thought UKIP might be the one place. Well, if you look at what's happened to mm. Tim Farron, look what happened to Philip yeah. Warner, that's the Lib Dems and Conservatives. The same would happen in the SNP Labour. Definitely. Maybe even more so. But I thought UKIP mm. might be the exception. Uh, but the conclusion mm. was definitely that it's not. That I ran, yeah. ran into the yeah. same problem, the sort of the Tim Farron effect in UKIP. Uh, in UKIP. So where'd you yeah. turn? Uh, where'd you turn after that? So that's the that's the story of my adventure with UKIP. So the, the main positive from it was I, I learned a lot <laughs> about <laughs> how political parties work, um, how to do it, how not to do it. Learned a lot about that, <clears throat> and just the experience of standing in an election, doing hustings, etc. Was a <laughs> It was a good experience, so I'm glad I did it. There you go. There's a the story of uh, so we did have a comment actually from our last, I mean, last last podcast we had Richard on. Uh, I wish I, I couldn't find it earlier. It was uh, one of our peers, people we go who are, are sort of, as you say, our long term listeners, Ashid Farragher, who we went to school with, he and uh, she commented on the, the the podcast. I can't remember exactly what it was. It's something to do with what did he vet some of the right wing teachers, and obviously you're towards Richard, but I can't remember the exact comment. Uh, but it was certainly anyway, it was certainly interesting. So, um, but if I had to comment in front of me, which I don't, which is annoying, if I couldn't find it, we could get a proper answer. But we're going to move on from that. We're going to um, play our wee tune shortly, but we're going to have a bit. In fact, we're going to play our tune actually because uh, I think just to keep it interesting for their listeners, because we've only got uh, yeah, meh, quite a lot of listeners. <clears throat> yeah. So, I'll, um, <laughs> you got anything to say? Do you want to say anything just before I play music? What's that? Do you want to say anything? Just random talking. You, you talk gibberish anyway. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I can oh. do my car talk. Well, we'll do that. I can do my car talk in a few gonna, minutes. Yeah, we're going to we're going to do that in a few minutes. We've got four minutes. We're going to take a wee break. And okay. Music. Are you going to play? Why don't you play a song or an advert then? Oh, I can't. I can't. I need. Yeah, we'll get adverts soon. We will get the adverts. So we're going to play our song by Clear Means. If you ever watch, if you're on Periscope, if you search Clear Means, it's a C L A R E, and it's M E A N S means. Um, you, she's in California. She does a lot of live performances via Periscope, Facebook Live, uh, on the. I can't remember the pier in California, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, Santa, okay. Mar- Santa Monica Pier. Very good. Uh, you can download her music or buy it. Fantastic. So we're going to play this tune uh, called Clear Means. I don't even know the title again, so I can't remember because it's all great prep. It's fantastic. But boom, <laughs> and we're going to have fun. It's great just having fun here. It's great. It's, so I'm just trying to. Uh, have a bit of exceedingly hyper fun or I get my second wind. So we play some music, so we'll be back in a second. Bye bye now. Love you. 
Broadcasting on heartsonglive.co.uk, Edinburgh's premier radio station of a Christian radio station. But if you look that, we are so kind of we are Christians, yes, but we do keep it real on our show. And just uh, well, we've not been off comma have not been phoning in yet, which is a good thing. Um, I don't think they will phone in. <laughs> But yes, we uh, anyway. Good thing is that we do like to talk about the stuff that's going on in the news. Talk about some general bits and bobs, and we keep it real. Me and we'll we'll say it as it is, really. Where can I? Well, we do the PC Brigade are certainly not after us yet because we do have a good legal team. Uh, but we are on heartsonglive.co.uk. If you haven't, if you if you check out the website, it's not just my show. We have uh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a Thursday night between. 10 and 11, he he talks about sex, love and relationships amongst the Christians and things like that. And other, uh, people phone in. So if you haven't uh, uh, listened to that show, you can tune in on a Thursday night between 10 and 11 if you're maybe having relationship problems and you want to get some advice. Um, so you can... Uh, <laughs> we just laughing at you. <laughs> you chuckling away in the background. Um, but anyway, there's also... Uh, we have Glory Kings. We have the actual... The boss of the radio station, uh, um... Eloho FML, who does a more regular morning show of prayer and music, so you can listen to her. And there's a um, Comfort, who does a, re- a show on a we- Wednesday evening as well, uh, from six thirty. Um, you know, Wednesday evening, Monday evening. I get it right. I'm, I'm lo- lost the plot tonight. I think it's the heat. We'll blame the heat. It's warm, un- unseasonably hot weather in this country at the moment. But uh, there's plenty. Check out the website. Plenty of other shows. Um, totally lost the plot today. So anyway, it's all good. All good fun. So we're going to kick in with Hugh is. Car talk. He has been away this last week. He was at a place called Company Car in Action. He's driven more cars than. Um, well, anyway, he's driven more cars than a, a rally driver. But we'll in, in what, a couple of days. But we'll go from there. And Hugh, kick off Company Car in Action. Car talk with the yes. Hitchhike. Um, I just got back on the Thursday morning. There, um, I drove over thirty-seven cars in two days, um, ranging from the cheapest car that's about on sale in Britain. Um, right up to a lovely Porsche 911 GTRS Targa. You drove a Porsche. £120,000. Yeah, that was great I, fun. I bet you were bricking um, if you crashed that. You well, the to... funny thing was, as a, I, I didn't think I was crashing. I thought, because these things, yeah, they're quite safe, to be fair. Um, and they're quite straight <laughs> limits on the track where we were a bit. Um, but it was quite funny, because as it started up, um, it made this lovely sound. Um, and then the, a lady walked past and said, oh, that's a lovely car there. And I said, yes. Yeah, Perfect for a midlife crisis. <laughs> you know, that should be Porsche's tagline. You know, it was like... Get, get, yeah, so how much does this cost? Can I buy it? Yeah, no. when you re, when you remortgage the house, just to buy your car. You know, yes. you know so then, it's like... But, then you get filed with a divorce uh, paper. <laughs> the, the divorce, sign but, here. Uh, 
But no, it was great. It was, it was, I mean, the, the weather was phenomenal. It was really, really hot. Um, but it wasn't too busy at the actual event itself. Um, but we got to drive really for cars from every different manufacturer, just about. Um, I mean, they had BMW, they had Alfa Romeo and Jeep and Fiat, uh, Ford, Volkswagen, Seat, um, Suzuki. Uh, the list really goes on and on. Um, but there, it really was a great, it was over 300 vehicles to choose from. Okay, and uh, I think there were some real surprises. I have to say, um, the first surprise was the Vauxhall Crossland, okay. which is a car that replaces the Vauxhall Mariva. Now, the Mariva was never exactly going to stir the soul if you bought one. It was mainly used on motability and, and people who wanted a car that basically said absolutely nothing about them. Um, but uh, but the new one, the Crossland, is really really good. Um, it's, it drives brilliantly. It's very comfortable. It handles well. Um, it's it's nippy. It's good on fuel, and it's actually very reasonably priced so it was really um uh, an excellent uh, replacement and and really quite a surprise probably the biggest surprise of the day actually um other cars that i drove that were um again better than expected uh, was the new suzuki vitara um they're the roundabout between about 16 and twenty-two thousand pounds we actually drove the four-wheel drive version, which is automatic, um, and it, it really drove brilliantly. Again, it handled well, didn't, it didn't have much body roll, um, the economy was good, um, and it really it was a lovely car, very comfortable to sit in, and I can see why they've sold really well, um, because it's, it's a really, really a highly accomplished car. Um, trying to think what else we had. Um, they had the, the new Volkswagen Golf and the Passat. They were they were again just another step on uh, from what they've had before. Uh, very practical, good strong residuals, and again good to drive with excellent economy. I know that Jonathan drove the the GTD version, uh, which was not only economical but just really good fun. He had a huge smile on his face when he came away from that car. But, uh, but I also run in the, the Grand Jeep Cherokee, mm-hmm. and it's called the, the SRT, which is a kind of performance version. And uh, normally the car should cost about £60,000, and we weren't actually allowed to drive it. We, we could only go on a passenger run, but they took us around the handling circuit. It was actually a touring car driver who was taking me around, um, and the noise is, is sensational because it's a 6.4-litre V8 engine, and it sounds like something from NASCAR. Um, but the, the, the car is handled phenomenally well um, around this handling circuit, which is designed to get the car to skid and to kind of point out all its bad points. But actually, it was extremely accomplished and had no issues at all. And the driver, he was having a great time. Um, but considering it costs about 60 grand new, and because it's a Jeep, there's always money off. It's probably about, maybe you might get one for about forty-five, fifty thousand pound 50000 But actually, compared to things like Range Rover Sports, that are probably nearly double that, it's a phenomenal car for the money. I would say it's almost as good. I mean, it really was a surprise. So going through all the cars that you did drive, if you were to give a quick rundown of your top 10 cars, obviously from starting from the worst to the best, what would you say your number 10, if you can recollect them? The car that I kind of least liked, I have to say, I didn't like the Suzuki Solerio very much. It was, I mean, they are quite cheap, but um, it was a bit basic. And, I mean, it was a real entry-level model that I drove. Um, but they, it had an awful lot of body roll. Um, and I think it's probably fine around town, but it wasn't really... I mean, it's probably, compared to its rivals, it's probably not far away. But I, I think you could probably do better. It's, it's worth spending a bit more money. Because things like you've got the Hyundai i10, which I actually drove down there and back up. Uh, my own car, um, and uh, and that was phenomenal. I mean, I was doing, you know, I was keeping up with the motorway speeds, and I was still doing fifty-five to the gallon. Yeah. Give us your give us your top ten quickly. Top ten. Well, it's hard to do the top ten right off the mark, but um, I, I'll say I'll go with some of the good ones. Then I'll say that I think there were top five great cars that were there. Right. Um, the the new Ford Mondeo. It was a two point. It was it was a two liter turbo diesel. 210 horsepower automatic. That was a great car, really good fleet car, and really almost as good as some of the premium cars that are above it in terms of like BMW and Mercedes. Um, and there's, there's great deals on them as well, so it's definitely worth a look. Um, the new the Jaguar F Pace, I'd already driven that last year, but it's still a great car. Um, and now they're getting, a, you know, you get to see a few more around. Um, lovely car to drive, very solid residuals, beautiful to look at and to sit in. Um, yeah, lots of lots of that was a great car. The Jaguar XE as well, that was really good. Really like that. Again, very comfortable, very distinctive, a lovely car. 
Um, I like the new Fiat Tipo, um, but for surprisingly for me, I preferred it in petrol form rather than diesel. Um, the petrol one handled, it just felt a lot lighter um, when you were steering it around the course, um, and, uh, and they're a bargain price. Uh, very practical. I thought the quality was pretty reasonable. And really, at the price that they've got, it's, it's a phenomenal bargain. And it's definitely worth looking at. Uh, I also drove the new Alfa Gilia. That is definitely in the top three of the cars I drove. Uh, that was one of the best cars I had all, all, week, all, uh, all over the whole event. Um, it's got these wonderful aluminium uh, paddle shift gear, gears on them, on the steering wheel. And they just they change gear just like a racing car. And it's, oh, I had a huge smile on my face when I was driving that. It was just brilliant. Um, but, yeah, so those, uh, obviously the Porsche 911, that was lovely. Um, but I, I only got a very short run on that, so I couldn't really say how good it was overall. But it was, I mean, like any Porsche, it's, it's going to be pretty good cool. um, if you can afford to buy one. But, um, but yeah, so it, there's been, the, the car market's amazing. I'll have more updates next week and beyond um, with, with, uh, for, for more details on other cars. Splendid. Well, there's your car talk. Boom. And we're all ready to uh, uh, wrap up shortly. We're going to, next week, we have a, a phoning guest. Uh, well, Hugh will be in the studio next week. Um, so <laughs> if he can get past the, far enough without the tag, his ankle bracelet going off, so he can get, his wife doesn't track him down, he's got to lose the GPS. So uh, you get him up to Edinburgh. Um, so we're going to have, uh, we've got Jenny Allen, who works for Heart of Refuge, uh, in London, she's going to be calling in and talking about what she does, dealing with uh, women with domestic violence. So we have a bit of a talk about that, and uh, which will be interesting, and to share her, uh, what she does uh, as a job and etc. Uh, so we're going to have her next week. Uh, so we'll, he will be in the studio, and we hopefully have we'll have another one of the our actual other studio the show what other people who do a show at Comfort uh, next week in the studio and um, joining us. And being a bit of, uh, cross branding with the shows and interacting, and uh, so it should be fun. So we thank you, Richard, for being with us again for the thank short you. notice. Yes, good to see you soon. Thank you, you again, we Richard. We'll get you back in the future. It's good to have you. If you're always not doing much on a Monday night, we're happy to have you, which is great. Uh, if you're not, if you want to want to give up your knitting for one night, it's always good. So uh, happy to happy to come happy to come in. So uh, just think. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good but listen we're going to wrap up now time is ticking on so thank you for those who did watch us on Facebook Live and listened thank you for the listeners who are listening to us now and uh, as a member tune into Heartsong Live on a daily basis please heartsonglive.co.uk and uh, we will up, you'll also be able to hear this recorded podcast again uh, on our usual uh, channels as well through the Hatchik and Ramsey uh, Podbean page and also SoundCloud etc so thanks again for listening and thank you and please enjoy the rest of the other shows going forward in the week and uh, as I say, have a good week and uh, boom out. So say goodbye, Hugh, and do your stuff. Goodbye. Yes, that's See you it. next week. So we're going to say goodbye, Hugh. Say goodbye, Richard. Right, good night. Uh, good night. So good night, everybody, and take it easy. Have a good one and bye-bye now. <laughs>